0: It's chris brother. That's a great
1: question. Look at you, man. Look at the powerful questions. (laughs) Woo!
0: This is the Chris Van Vliet Show. Chris Van Vliet
1: Show. Ladies and gentlemen,
0: Chris
1: Van Vliet! This is the first ever Chris Van Vliet Show. Sounds good. Welcome! I'm Chris Van Vliet, and it means the world to me that you're listening to this right now, so I can't thank you enough for that. I know a lot of you are listening to this now because you've watched my interviews on YouTube, and that's been amazing. I mean, I started my YouTube channel eight years ago, posting wrestling interviews, and over the last, you know, year and a half or so, this has really grown into something special, and it's all because of you and because of this amazing thing that we call Pro Wrestling that unites us all together. Whether you like WWE, AEW, New Japan, Impact Ring of Honor, Lucha, anything else, whatever it is, at the end of the day, it's wrestling and we love it. So I have to say this podcast has been a long time coming, probably too long. This this probably should have happened a while ago and I get it. It's not always easy watching a youtube video for 30 40 even 50 minutes like this one's gonna be Uh, so the plan here is to still upload to youtube like we always do and then put the audio version on here in podcast form so you can listen wherever whenever you want and hey maybe you'll hear something on here and maybe you'll go oh i gotta see that and then you'll go and you'll click on the youtube video so if you do like this uh, it'd be awesome if you went and left a five-star review and share this so you can get the word out and let everybody know that the CVV show is now in town. So before we get to the very interesting conversation with Sean Spears, who you'll know from his time in WWE as the perfect Ten Hentai Dillinger, the Chris Van Vliet show is brought to you by Green Roads and Green Roads CBD products have been a complete game changer for me. Unfortunately, not all CBD products are created equal. I mean, we've heard a lot about CBD over the last year or so, and a lot of companies have launched products hoping to cash in on that CBD boom with low-quality formulas. And some of them don't even have actual CBD in them. Greenroads is a pharmacist-founded company dedicated to improving the lives of people who take it. People like me, the CBD oil is super simple to take, just a few drops under your tongue, and it's really helped me focus. I'm not like, I'm not really a a stressy person, but I've got a lot going on these days with YouTube, and launching this podcast, and my day job, and traveling the world, and, 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 and it kind of helps my brain go from like a 16-lane highway down to like a four-lane highway. Also, the relaxed gummies have been amazing and taste just as good as actual gummy bear candies. So use my code, Chris15, to get 15% off your order at greenroadsworld.com. Chris15 for 15% off. The CVV Show also brought to you by Samson Technologies, which is the audio equipment that I am using as we speak. If you're looking to start your own podcast or upgrade your current equipment, I highly recommend Samson. Perception's reality, right? So in order to for people to think that you're running a professional podcast, you have to sound like a professional podcast. And Samson, as you can hear, makes me sound like a million bucks and they're incredibly affordable. So go to samsontech.com to check out their product offerings. And because I know you're going to ask, I personally use Samson's Pro Podcasting Pack. Now, You know Ty Dillinger from WWE. He asked for his release from WWE back in February. He was granted it, which is actually a pretty amazing feat in itself. Because a lot of superstars have been denied their release. Time added on for some people too. So he now goes by Sean Spears. Uh, We talk about why he thinks he got his release. Him turning down what he called a substantial raise from WWE. His fiance, Peyton Royce. His appearance at Double or Nothing and so much more. And I think before I throw to this, uh, I got to point out that we did this interview just a few days before his official announcement that he had signed with AEW. So by the way, congratulations to Sean for that. So with all that said, here we go. The very first episode of the CVV show, the Chris Van Vliet show with the perfect 10, Ty Dillinger, AKA Sean Spears. We are at Disney World right now. The
0: happiest yeah. place on earth. Well, it depends who you ask. Mm-hmm. It's quite busy. The parking is insane. Uh, there's lots of people. I don't get along well with lots of people bumping into me. Um, so it depends who you ask. But I'm happy to be here now. Finally, we did this. We're doing yeah. this now. It's it's going down, and uh, it's going down at Disney.
1: Yeah, and so I'm here for work right now. You live
0: close-ish, but thank you for making this happen. No, nah, no problem. I, uh, I, uh, I've i been looking forward to this. I kept you in mind. Uh, as you can tell, I'm not wearing a suit. I wanted to make sure after your last video with Ryback saying you felt a little inadequate in terms of underdressed, I wanted yeah. to make sure I didn't make you feel awkward, especially here at Disney. So, you know, I was thinking of you, pal. Well,
1: oh, I'm wearing pants and you're not, so maybe you're the one underdressed now. Now it's a party. Yeah. <laughs> now it's a, when I don't wear pants, it's a party. <laughs> On the Edging Christian podcast, you're like, I'm
0: half-dressed right now and I won't tell you which half. Eat, eating chicken wings. Yeah. Made for a uh, made for a hell of a moment with a bunch of Canadians, which you're Canadian as well. I am Canadian. Ah, that just makes things. Yeah. If you're not Canadian, you're missing out. Yeah, not everyone's perfect. If you're not, Ooh, get it. All right, sorry. All right. Wow. I'm, I'm done messing around. I'm done messing around. I'll be... Okay.
1: Now I think there's going to be a lot of messing around. Probably. Uh, yeah. Congratulations on everything uh, since leaving WWE. I feel like you've been just crazy busy. Things
0: have been good. Things have been good. I just got back into the swing of things last Friday. Started off uh, in New York with a Pro, which was really fun. And then uh, I just had my last show with uh, XWA in... Oh my God, where was I? Uh Providence. So I did like five shows in the span of six days already out of the gate. So... It was good to get back in there full swing uh, and hit the ground running immediately. So, good thing I tried to stay in shape that whole time that I was off because I would have been dying. Well, just 90 days, right? 90 days, but 90 days, I had an injury kind of before that. So, uh, I think I'd returned from that for maybe maybe a month. So, I had a couple singles matches, but overall, I've been under the ring for kind of a while. Yeah. So, to be thrown back into the mix and go 15, 20 minutes with a lot of young, talented, uh, you know, uh, passionate young talent is uh, you got to keep up, or you get left behind. I think a lot of people saw you for the first time in
1: a while at Double or Nothing, mm-hmm. and this is a new look. Or if they're seeing you now for the first time, this is a new look. What inspired this?
0: A uh, change. Just when I was off, three months off with an injury, I had pins in my hands, so uh, it, it took a little. It took a while. So, you know, if anybody's been following my career, it's it's had its lows, it's had its ups, and it's had its downs. And during that downtime, it's like it's time for. Something to change, so it was more of uh, checking off personal boxes for myself. And one of them was when I was coming back. It's like, all right, let's look, let's change things up. Let's give them something different. Let's give them something to work with. And so that involved losing half of my hair. It involved changing up my look, my gear. This was new. This had been in the works for uh, years. Um, but yeah, I came back just looking totally different, hoping that that would kind of spark some interest and some change. So this is what Sean
1: Spears looks like, and that was what Ty you looked like.
0: Essentially, this is uh, this is more this is me. This is more of me, uh, completely open, wide open, um, and uh, I guess uh, unrestricted. Uh, what was uh, what was it like
1: stepping out into the battle royal at Double or Nothing?
0: Uh, Nerve wracking. I was asked this later uh, after the show, after the big event had taken place, um, media scrum that you were part of as well. Uh, it was nerve-wracking, man. I was scared shitless. Oh, I don't know if I could swear on this. Sure, it's the internet. You can. Yeah. Can you can you beep everything or here? No. there's your part no. for if you need to cut it. I cuss like a sailor. That's fine. Uh, all right, whatever uh, you need. Beautiful. Well, then there 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 it is. I was scared. I was scared shitless because I've been gone for so long, and uh, you know my career in WWE wasn't exactly uh, how I would hoped it would it would be, especially coming from NXT um, and the momentum of the Perfect Ten character you know, if you, the reality is if you tell people something long enough, good or bad, eventually they're going to start to believe it. Mm -hmm. And for a while I was, you know, the picture painted was that I wasn't exactly a favorable character. I wasn't exactly a character that was going to be utilized to a certain extent. This is what it is and here's what it is and you can take it or leave it. So coming off of that and being hurt and then leaving, a lot of time had gone by. Uh, A lot of low time had gone by. So coming out, a double or nothing. I was like, my God! I just hope people remember. I hope people react, and I hope people care that I'm here tonight. Uh, that was my biggest fear. Scared shitless. But it's a battle royal. You've done many of those before. It you know. wouldn't have mattered, it, and I, it wouldn't have mattered if I was first in that battle royal out the gate, or if it, there was. Wouldn't have mattered if I was Jericho or. Kenny's spot or if I was in Mox's spot it wouldn't have mattered where I was on that show on that night because it was the event it was Mm -hmm. the event that everybody was talking about it was a turning point in the world of professional wrestling Um, Cody said it best it's a revolution and I think it's been something that people have been waiting for for so long and now finally all right Someone gave it to you. Here it is. Yeah. And that, and you know what I mean? You get a little smirk on your face now thinking about it because you were there. I was there. So you felt it. Yeah. I sat behind the curtain because I, I was able to watch a huge uh, huge screen, but I was able to be right behind the curtain so I can hear the audience live as it's happening. Mm. Um, and you, all night, all night, just the goose, I get goosebumps kind of thinking about it now, like they just, they weren't going to stop. They were ready for something. They They got what they were looking for and... The world's off and running.
1: So you must have been happy to just have any role in that, uh, play any role in that that night.
0: When the opportunity came up, I dove through the. I didn't care what it was. I didn't even talk about. I, I my the business side, the businessman side of me went out the window. I didn't give a damn. Uh, the opportunity came up. My ninety days expired the night before. Wow. The Day before. Was that coincidental? Uh, I don't know. Um. WWE is very, you know. They knew that Double or Nothing had been announced at the time that I had asked for my uh, release. Uh, they're they're not silly. They have their thumb on the pulse of what's what's happening in the wrestling world. I asked for my release on my birthday, February nineteenth. I was verbally granted it on Friday, so I think that was like the twenty second or something. But I needed the paperwork officially. Mm-hmm. And I didn't get that to the following week. Had they waited an extra 24 hours I would not have been able to do Double or Nothing. So I think um, WWE was being gracious. They knew what was going on. I think they allowed me to be out at that time to to do whatever I wanted to do including Double or Nothing. I could be completely wrong and they might have slipped their minds, I don't know. I like to think that I had earned that mutual respect. So. Um, Either way, I got to be there. That's
1: very generous of them because we hear these stories of people asking for their release and they say, "No, we're not letting you out of your contract, and we're adding time on because you were injured." Well, I got—I
0: here's—I got asked this the other night um, by a, by a young talent at the at an XWA show. He goes, well, "Why do you think you got out and no one else did?" Um, that's tough to that's tough to answer because no one else um, was granted their release, and it's one of two things. It's one of um, well, three things maybe. It, it, maybe it was a mutual respect that I had built up with them. Through, I was with them for eight and a half years total, mm-hmm. including my first time around. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I did things right. Never got in any trouble. I was professional and carried myself well and, um, you know, always did what I was asked to do. So uh, that was one thing. The other thing is uh, that statement that I put out later uh, that evening on the 19th, February 19th, um, you can't. It's hard to. It kind of handcuffed them a little bit. So if they would have kept me, uh, that might have made a lot of people unhappy. If they would have kept me and utilized me in a negative way, or you know, had me get killed on TV every week, again, that probably would have made them, made people upset. Um, I think it put me in the best best position possible to get what I was looking for. And the third possible reason is maybe they didn't see anything in me, and they go, you know what, we don't. See any value, it is time to go. So go ahead. And to be honest with you, if it, I really hope it's that one, I really, really do, because that just fuels a little more fire, and that just makes things. I'll make that up in my mind, whether it's the truth or not. Like I'm going to use that's, that's the one I'm going to keep rotating in my mind. That okay, that's the reason they let it go. So
1: all right. If you were to let things uh, go with your contract, when was it supposed to expire?
0: WrestleMania 2020. Oh, so another year plus. It would have been a year plus and uh, this has been about six months in the works, this release, Uh, it just, I wouldn't have made it another year. Wouldn't have made another year, it was just affecting my home life, Um, not in the sense that people may think, it was just affecting like, when I got home and I had two days off, Instead of enjoying those two days off, I was always dreading leaving that third day already. The second I got home, I was like, I got to leave in two days, my gosh.
1: Which I think a lot of people can relate to, like, you know, maybe they got a job they don't like going to on Mondays. And then they can't even enjoy Sunday because they know Monday's the next day.
0: Yes. And, you know, when you're, and I don't mean to sound condescending to any, but but when you're younger, that's how how you're going to feel. When you're older, you kind of go, this is not the way I should be feeling about things. This is not, I, I, you know time is valuable mm-hmm. there's a lot of things they're not making in life anymore two things you're not going to get any more of land or time so uh they ain't making any more of that so it becomes that's to me the ultimate currency is time mm. you can't get any of it back so I had to kind of sit back and go all right what is most important to me in my life at this stage of my career mm-hmm. I'm much closer to the end of my career than I am at the beginning so how do I want to remember this when I'm 70 Yeah. And that's what it ultimately boiled down to in terms of leading up to my uh, requesting my release.
1: Did you factor in that you being released or asking for your release might somehow affect your future wife, Peyton Royce? Uh, We had
0: discussed it. Um, How it would impact her career never came up Hmm. because when I had initially brought it up, it was, she was open to speaking about it, talked about it and we did uh, on numerous occasions and then finally as she can see like that it, it, nothing was changing, nothing was getting better. Uh, my mentality in terms of what I was bringing home with me, bringing work home with you, uh, wasn't getting any better and eventually she just said to me, like, look I need you happy and I don't care how that is, I don't care where that is. Um, I just know that going forward for the rest of our lives, for our future children and for our household now. I need you happy. So, whatever it is you need to do to make yourself happy, I am with you 100%. Wherever you go, I'm with you 100%. And, um, you know, uh, she has my back. And when you find someone like that, man, put a ring on it. (laughs) Put a ring on it. Lock it down. Lock it down. But she has been my utmost number one supporter, my number one fan, and my best friend through all of this. So, um, in terms of business wise I, it probably helped because she won the Tag Team Championships like a month later at oh, Wrestlemania training. And, uh, and that's the other thing too uh, you know something that, like I was there I was at Wrestlemania um, so I, I had already requested my release I think I had like another month or maybe just over a month left on my 90 day and I was backstage at Wrestlemania and I said you know I'd like to be down ringside they took me down they put me in, sat me beside the command family and I got to watch her live win the women's tag team championships wow. live. And then they, soon as they were done, they pulled me to the back. And that was the last time I'd been at WWE. But, you know, so I don't know if a lot of people are sitting here waiting for me just to hammer them into the ground or whatever like that. Like, look, I had my problems with them, but they have also been very gracious and have done things for me that meant a lot to me. And if that meant the world to her because mm-hmm. her family's from Australia, they couldn't make it. So to have somebody. In her family, there ringside, like everybody else did, meant the world to her. So, that I thank WWE for for sure.
1: But now you're on the outside looking in, and you're obviously very knowledgeable about what goes on in there. Are you not looking at this going, How are you able to still work for this company that could treat people like this?
0: Everybody has a different story. Um, you know, a lot of the big stories right now are people that are not. Being granted their release, uh, you know, Sasha Banks is a big is a big story right now because kind of MIA at the moment. Um, I look at it now from a personal standpoint. I don't really put myself in anybody else's shoes because I can't. Uh, but I look at it from my personal point of view, and I, I, I know that I made the right decision. I know I made the right call for me, professionally and personally. It's difficult because I look at the product, and I'm able to see the issues that I still felt were issues back then. Um, and now with a, a big company as competition, that I've had one show, mm-hmm. and they are already the second biggest company, pretty much in the world. Yes, um, that is massive, and that is going to shake the foundation of WWE. Whether anybody wants to admit it or not, th- that is happening. It's happening because I see it and I hear about it. I hear about the scrambles. I hear about the, you know, we're an hour into TV and we're still writing shows, like. It happens, that's business, that's the way this goes. It moves quick, it moves fast and you better keep up. Um, But I mean everybody has their own, everybody has their own path. I don't really look at them in terms of how they're treating people. I look at it as an overall product and I go, they're gonna have to change things up. They're gonna have to step Mm -hmm. things up if they want to uh, continue on the path in terms of what's important and that's giving the audience a product that they want to see. And that starts with credibility.
1: Well, you mentioned you were in WWE for eight and a half years. You've been at every single AEW show, all one of them. Uh, what would you say is the biggest difference between uh, the product, between the two of them? Uh,
0: the biggest difference? Probably credibility. I, I had this, uh, one of the last conversations I had with Vince, um, I went into this, to his office and uh, it, you know, he gave me, anytime I've asked to speak to Vince, he's always given me the time of day. He's always responded to a text message. He's always, all that kind of stuff, which has been great. But this had been a time, this was closing in on the time that I asked for my release a few months out. And I just went in and I needed to say what I needed to say. And the difference, biggest difference in between both companies, but especially at that time, was credibility. Talent needs credibility. They don't necessarily need pushes. Everybody talks about, oh, you should push this guy, you should push this guy. I see it all over the internet all the time. Oh, they're burying Bobby Roode or they're burying Finn Balor. Or bar- These are all guys that are decorated champions. Like, <laughs> Not everybody needs a push, but talent does need credibility. If you are watching the product and two guys come out and you're able to already tell what the finish is of that match based on entrances alone, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. Because now we're giving an audience an opportunity to change the channel. We're giving them the opportunity to do this on their phone. They're not, They don't care. Mm-hmm. They're not invested. And that is what I said to the chairman and I said with all due respect I think we're insulting their intelligence and he kind of just looked at me and went oh shit <laughs> but uh but I still stand by that sediment today uh it was never about being pushed into that limelight the hardest schedule ever is a champion schedule hmm. it is wild I, I've seen it with multiple people I've seen it with Charlotte Flair when she was a woman's champ she's never home she's home once a month hmm. it's wild like that is the hardest schedule in professional wrestling is a champion schedule so there are people that are champions that are like oh my god I just I just want to go home I just want to be home for a week you know yeah uh, so it's not about pushes it's about credibility what AEW is doing is if you watch that seven card lineup everybody had the time everybody had the opportunity to make themselves a star they're already a star but now we're introducing everybody to a worldwide audience. Mm -hmm. When I say we, I mean like AEW as a whole. Um, They're introducing everybody to a worldwide audience, different people from different parts of all over the world, and here, here you go, showcase your talents, do what you can, you don't really have any restrictions, just stay in the parameters of what we laid out, do your thing. Wow. Everybody on that show was a star. And if they weren't walking in, they were afterwards. Mm -hmm. Everybody walked out with credibility. Yeah. A lot of people you saw in that battle role you might have never seen before in your life. Now you're gonna go, oh man. Yes. Wow, who's Jungle Boy? Yep. Who's that MJF guy? You know what I mean? Hangman Page. Yeah. He's now facing Chris Jericho for the world championship. He has a chance to make himself a worldwide name in one night. That's a difference. Credibility is key for the audience because it gives them something to care about.
1: So if I play devil's advocate here, you were offered more money to stay in WWE. Mm -hmm. You could have just taken the money, sat back, Toured around with your wife and you know,
0: called it a called it a career. Mm-hmm. Why not? Because I'm scared shitless of regret later in life. I again, and it's I don't think that I'm old. I just like a lot of people say you grow in your 30s, you know what I mean? Or, or a lot of young people worry about if they're 26, 27, 28, oh, I don't know what to do with my life. Here's a spoiler alert: you're not supposed to know what to do with your life when you're 20. Your 20s are not for figuring out what you want. Your 20s are for figuring out what you don't want. Mm. Then in your 30s, you gear towards what you want. Yeah. So for me, I am able to look 30, 40 years down the road when I'm 70. And my body doesn't work anymore because I've beaten it up for almost 18 years now. Uh, I can't barely remember what I did my first five years of my career. Mm. Um, so when I'm 70, if I'm lucky, I'm going to be able to remember the last three. How do I want to remember those? I said it on the Edge and Christian podcast. I did not too long ago too. It's going to matter to me when I'm 70 and I'm not mobile and I can't do much else with my life other than think. I'm going to think about three things. Whether I was a good person, whether I was a good father, and whether or not I lived a life worth living. Mm. And that includes what I did with my career. So did I settle for money that I can no longer use, that it's no use to me anymore? It might support my family, great, but it's no use to me selfishly. Or am I going to be able to, when all I can do is think, think back and smile and go, I did it on my terms. I finished the matches the way I wanted to. I went out of my in ring career the way I wanted to. Those things later on in life are all that I'm going to be able to think about. And that was the deciding factor when asking to leave. I didn't let them get the number out when they said, we're going to give you a substantial raise. I just went, it's not going to change how I feel tomorrow morning when I wake up. Mm-hmm. So that is what it ultimately boils down to: is not regretting anything in my life later on. That's powerful. It really is, or stupid, depending on how you look <laughs> at it. As some people, it's hard to say, like, "Oh my, you walked away from a lot of money." Well, it's easy to say that when you've had money. I don't. I'm not a millionaire. I'm not a millionaire. I still need to work. I still need to go out and work. Um, but I just know that, for me personally, and that's just me, that money. At that time, it's not going to matter. Hmm. Are you officially signed with AEW? No, no, we have uh, put nothing on paper. We have. Ta- I've met everybody. I've met, uh, which is crazy. I've been doing this for almost, almost eighteen years, and I just met the Bucks and I just met Kenny, for the first time. Wow. nothing. Yes. At Double or Nothing, we'd never cross paths. Earlier on in my career, when I was on the Independence before I got signed the first time, I never dipped into the States. I was never an indie name. I never had a big following, nothing like that. Um, And even after my first time in WWE, same thing. I didn't have a big independent following. It wasn't until I got a following until NXT. Um, So we never crossed paths. I know Cody. I've known Cody since OVW. I know his family very well. Um, And I met the Khan family. I met Tony and his father at Double or Nothing. So, we all seemed to get along. We all had a good time. We all had some laughs and uh, we're all very, very proud of the, the show that they put on. So that was pretty much the basis of just enjoying the weekend. Again, I, I wasn't concerned with contracts at the time. I wasn't concerned with anything like that. I just wanted to enjoy being a part of history that night.
1: So were you signed could, could, to kind of like an indie deal that night for Double or Nothing? Like a handshake will pay you X amount of dollars for that night? It was a one-off, yep.
0: It was a hey, here's an opportunity because the card was booked. So um, you know, I reached out to uh to a good friend of mine and I said, Hey, um just so you know, my 90 days expires on this date. And he goes, call me when it expired. He's like, let me know when it's expired, but until then I can't really talk. And I said, Okay. And then it expired the 24th. I said, Hey man, uh, you know, and he's <laughs> like, let's do it, let's go ahead. So uh he's like, but the battle, you know, the card's fully booked, it's been booked for months and promoting it. So I go, I don't care where you put me, just get me out there in front of Vegas, yeah, and I'm sure they'll hopefully they'll do their thing, and they did. They showed yeah. up in in spades or diamonds, yeah, so uh it worked out it worked out very, very well for uh for everyone involved, but yeah, that's all it was. Hey, would you like to do this? Yes, absolutely.
1: was there one specific thing that happened or didn't happen in w w e that kind of was the catalyst for you to go? I don't want to do this anymore.
0: Uh, there wasn't a one specific thing. It was just a combination of, of missed moments, of missed opportunities and I, you have to understand when you sign up for something like that, when you work for a company like that, a lot of the times good things will fall through the cracks and what I mean by that is a lot of guys are picked uh, ahead of time. That before they walk in those doors, I'm bringing this guy in, this is going to be my guy, I'm going to mold him, I'm going to shape him, I'm going to introduce him to the audience the way I perceive him and whether or not something else on the side is getting popular or getting really rolling or is bigger than what I had initially planned, doesn't matter, I'm going this way. Um, I think in NXT at the peak of the perfect 10 characters popularity… I believe he should have had an NXT championship run, not for the fact that it's a championship and you should win the title, but because the story. And I had pitched it. I had pitched winning the NXT title. I believe at a takeover on a Saturday, and then losing it immediately at the NXT TV tapers, I think on the Wednesday, like four days later. Wow! Because it wasn't about the title. It was about the story. It was about the climb. Being in WWE, being released, fighting for five years, getting back, almost getting, live, almost getting fired again. And then Perfect Ten is born. And then hold on, people start gravitating. And then people start carrying it. Now all of a sudden, I'm in bigger matches, marquee matches. I couldn't in ignore it with all your top guys. And then now I'm working Bobby Roode. And when they asked Bobby, they said, "Who do you want to work with for the championship?" Bobby showed me the text message. He goes, Ty Dillinger." And they said, "Sorry, there's other plans for him." So no. And I just kind of went, oh, it was about the story, the overcoming, the coming back, and then finally capturing, yes, and then we can go ahead and drop it. We would give everybody a feel good moment mm. of it happened, he did it. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, I'll watch that movie. I don't care who's playing the role. I'll watch that movie all day long. Yeah. Like that's, that's inspiring. That, those, those moments are what creates movies.
1: So was it you going to the main roster that was that maybe the
0: beginning of the downfall for your character? Uh, I don't know I'm looking back at it now yeah there was no plan there was no plan in place Um, you know I was up there for probably almost two years and there uh, there was never an angle I was never put in a storyline the closest I had to a storyline was when I was kind of in the mix with AJ Styles and Baron Corbin for the United States Championship but I was put in there to keep them apart for I think it was five weeks until they had a pay-per-view match they had a match of hell in the cell and I don't know if I'm supposed to be telling, I don't know if he'll appreciate this, but I was put in there for about five weeks or so to keep them apart so they didn't have to wrestle each other every single week. And people would get like, okay, we get it mm. until the pay-per-view. But during that time, people started going, huh, okay, like this this actually works. And I was having some good matches with AJ and he was you know, phenomenal in the ring and he was great to work with. And then I was working a little bit with Corbin and we had some you know ins and outs. And then by the time the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view rolled around that year, um, they had uh, they had still Baron Corbin versus AJ Styles and everybody thought we were leading towards a triple threat and it took uh, both those guys AJ and Baron going and knocking on Vince's office and going you need to put him in this match now like everybody wants it everybody sees it let's put him in the match they yeah. went to Vince and put, had me put in that match that night Wow. So that's how I got in that triple threat match. I wasn't supposed to be wow. in it originally. So hats off to those guys. Uh, respect to those guys because they were not selfish at all. They were very, they've always, those kind of guys are always fantastic to work with. The
1: 10 count was so over that I would say it was almost, it almost uh, became like the what chance.
0: Oh, it was a pain in the ass. <laughs> because uh, you can't actually hear the refs 10 count I can't like that's a lot of people I would get like uh, I would see it on Twitter and I'd giggle because everybody's like oh this 10 stuff's annoying it's only good if he's doing if it's in a match and other people were just like this is bullshit like and even other wrestlers like this okay on because it was on independence too yeah, it was everywhere so a lot of wrestlers were just like hey dude we get it like I was like no dumbasses like when I'm on the outside I can't hear shit either I'm sitting there going what numbers he's on 8 oh I'm I gotta like, go I gotta get in because I can't hear nothing either but it's just one of those things where, and I, I'd like to think it's, you know, I didn't find that character. I think until about 14 years in, and I and then and, and that audience, the NXT audience and stuff like that, or anybody that had been following my career for a great period of time, had seen me try something and try this, and they were just there's some horrible ideas that I tried, and they were just. Were you a, a dealer at one time? I I was I actually was a. a card dealer at a yeah. casino and I was trying to do but even I didn't know what the hell I was trying to do I was I had a deck of cards and if I flipped the ace of spades I think it was which is weird how it ended up doubling nothing things. but if I rolled that then you were in, like, you were in shit but like, the whole deck was like aces I don't know it was like the dumbest thing in the world and it made no sense and I couldn't connect it um, and then I tried like a germaphobe thing and then but it was like a playoff of like a Gorgeous George back in the day it was funny but you have to be able to whatever character you come up with for you young kids that are watching this right now that are in the business that are having that hard time finding a character whatever you come up with it has to be able to translate into the ring it has to be able to flow seamlessly into what you do inside the ropes as well and that was all these different other character ideas it was hard to bring them into the ring and have it make sense yeah there was a disconnect until this 10 thing took off and then i think when people finally saw it they went okay we we like this yeah and much to WWE's dismay or Triple H's dismay, uh, you know, when it came on the scene full-fledged was that takeover. I think the end, and I worked uh, Andrade, CN, and uh, it was supposed to be, you know, babyface CN versus bad guy Perfect Ten, but people didn't—they weren't ready to boo me, and I think they just finally said, "We like this. Go with this. This is yeah. good. This is for you," and they just took it to heights no one saw it coming.
1: And you told the story on Edging Christian's podcast about how you created the character and it's it's almost like serendipitous how this came together.
0: It was uh <laughs> yeah, it, it's ridiculous how it came together because it came together out of anger, it came together out of things I was not supposed to see. Um yeah, I remember I was home. I, I don't know when it was. I was I wasn't taken to a big event. One year they took like 40 talent and I was not one of them and I was furious because I'm like you tell me I'm not in the top 40 here and this is I need to say this because this is very important this is pre-Matt Bloom era when Matt Bloom took over NXT everything turned for the better for everyone Mm. Um, so this was pre his coming in he saved my career Um, but when I had you know angry I was at home and I was talking to one of my best friends back home and I was just venting left right and center and so this was the build a mod era. Uh, this was the build a era. Yeah, I won't. I, I said his name. I, I don't want to. I don't like to say his name. We
1: can call him humorous. You can
0: call him… It's humorous. Oh, he's humorous, all right. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what had happened was, um, I had seen how they were um, uh, reviewing talent at the time. So at the end of the month, they would do reports on talent, and they would send it up so everybody's informed of what's going on, you know, down below. And I actually got my eyes and hands on some of them that required, you know, everything about me. And they're a few pages long and stuff like that. And essentially, you know, there's a a chart and you're ranked from one to ten across the board in terms of in-ring, you get, you know, uh, athleticism, in-shape, promo, you know, experience or you get, you know, attitude, things like that. And across the boards and every coach has their, you know, and then the final say at the bottom is your head coach at the time. He ranks you and then his paragraph what he thinks overall not any of the coaches so every other coach is giving me nines and 9.5s 9. and i'm getting a 10 here and i'm getting a fun, uh, nine here and whatever like that and it gets down to the head coach and i'm getting sixes and i'm getting 5.5s and i'm getting sixes and i'm getting 5.5s and then his description of what he feels overall in terms of where i'm at in my career uh isn't very flattering as well and i just went all right well i'm, I'm dead in the water here mm. I'm dead in the water So I was home Venting to a buddy About that And I was just saying This is There's no one there That's a 10 He's got to be Giving this guy a 10 That guy a 10 And just in passing I stopped for a second and I was just quiet And my buddy just goes Dude if there's anybody there That's a 10 It's you You've been doing it forever Like, like I don't know what else to tell you And he kind of yeah. just walked off And left me for a second I kind of just hung On that statement I don't know why And for the next few days I was just it wasn't. I was thinking about it, yeah. Just like you were talking here, but we would be talking right now, and a yeah. ten would pop into my mind, and then we would keep talking. But it, that's how it was. It would just hang out for a while, right? And I remember going back, and I remember talking to a few people about it. And one guy I talked about uh, it to was Tyler Breeze, because we had a very similar NXT career path and main roster path too, kind of, because um, he was very immersed in finding a character and stuff like that, and he had found Tyler Breeze, and he's like, "There might be something with this ten thing, man." Start thinking about it. We would scheme some ideas, and eventually, I I had a little pitch together. So I sent an email to all the coaches at the time. Everybody said, "Let's get into the conference room," and uh, I had T-shirts made up. That's all I had. I had that's all I had was perfect ten T-shirts. And I go and I and I walked in and I got them all together and sat them all down in the conference room. And Dusty Rhodes was sitting to my left, and I. I love Dusty more than anything uh, because for many reasons but one because he was always brutally honest with me Hmm. he never steered me wrong he didn't give a shit about politics uh, at least not then and there or at least not with me but I sat down and he said baby listen before you pitch whatever it is you have pitched and I'm sure it's good he goes I just need you to know that at this moment there's never a whisper of you ever going up to the main roster wow and I went oh shit he goes I I just want to be straight up with you right now that's where you're at right now And that was huge for me because I'm like, okay, because I have a feeling about this. Mm. And I was like, okay, well, coming off of that, here's this idea I got. And um, I kind of laid out the perfect 10 and the concept of it because I didn't have any pieces in play in terms of how I was going to present it. But I I presented a concept and it was kind of like, huh, huh, okay. And Dusty, his wheels, he sees something, you know what I mean? You can give him a pile of shit and he'll find a way to turn it into a brick of gold. That's just how... DreamWorks But uh, And and he was the only one That was kind of like Oh You know Everybody else was kind of like Maybe But I wasn't allowed to do anything For two and a half months Wasn't allowed to do it On live events Why not? I was told no I was told no On numerous occasions Hey can I try this Hey can I try this Hey can I try this No 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 Wasn't allowed to do it So I had um, I had planned to leave Then I went okay I'm and this is how many years ago? Oh man, uh, When did I have? Find the 10th thing. This was probably about two thousand and maybe f- fourteen, f- maybe fifteen. Wow! So that I mean that saved your career. This was me and yes, one hundred percent. Me and Jason Jordan got pulled into a room, and I'm sorry, JJ. Uh, we got pulled in. This is when we were tagging. We got pulled into the room at the same time, and they go, "Okay, guys, this tag team's not working out," which it wasn't. We didn't have a hook. Uh, you both have three months to figure it out wow okay so in three months I found the perfect 10 thing and then I was still told no mm-hmm. combination of that with the reports that I'm seeing I'm like I'm dead in the water anyway yeah. and I am not getting fired twice so I was getting ready to leave but then fate steps in however way you want to spin it or look at it and Matt Bloom takes over I went up to him the day I they'd come back from somewhere again that I wasn't taken to um, because of the previous <laughs> and I said hey can I talk to you Today, after and he goes come visit me in my office but please don't leave come talk to me Mm. and I knocked on his door and uh, I said look uh, this is and he stopped he says look he goes don't leave whatever you have in your back pocket whatever you have ready to go go you have Mm. free reign go Just, just let it all loose let it rip go and I went oh okay and the rest just he started putting me in matches with the Finn Balors and the Nakamoras and the Bobby Roods and the Samoa Joes and the upper guys. Yeah. Conditioning the audience, giving me credibility in their eyes, plus letting me, you know, work on the shtick that I got going on and work out the kinks. And everybody would add little ideas and posters and signs and everybody would, and then all of a sudden you have something and it takes off. And Matt Bloom, 100% across the board, saved my career because I was ready to leave then. Wow, and you coming out at number 10 in the Rumble
1: was obviously very special for you, but special for us too as a fan. Like to see that all
0: kind of come together was incredible. I didn't think it was going to. Uh, About three weeks before, or probably about a month before, I started seeing uh, rumblings on Twitter. Like, oh, it would be funny if, you know, Dillinger came out at number 10. I I'd be like, oh, that would be kind of funny. But it's the Royal Rumble. There's only 30 spots. We have 200 talent. Yeah. And then as, you know, the days went on, it started to kind of pick up momentum and probably about like maybe two and a half weeks out, we were at an NXT TV taping and I went up to Hunter and Michael Hayes and I said, hey, um, you know, it's not getting huge traction, but what if I came out at number 10 in the Rumble, you know, and I don't have to lack and last 10 seconds. It doesn't matter. Like, but it's just, it solidifies this number 10 thing and it could be a pretty cool moment that kind of went, huh. And then Michael said, well, I don't have the Rumble booked yet, but we'll let you know. I was like, "Cool, okay, I feel good." I, I threw it out there, and Hunter just kind of went, "Hmm," and I heard nothing for weeks. Now it's takeover San Antonio. I'm getting ready to work Eric Young. I've heard nothing about the rumble the next night, night. Before, yeah. and of course, I—that's I, out of my mind now because I'm working Eric Young. I'm focused on the tax, task at hand, and uh, the way that setup was. Um, that night was you had to go through Gorilla, go through the curtain, you had to walk down a little bit of a corridor, then around the corner, and then out. Well, I was in the middle of that corridor while the package was playing, so I was already out of Gorilla, I just wasn't in front of the audience yet. And as the package is winding down, I'm first out the gate, Hunter steps through the curtain, he goes, Hey, tear it up tonight, you're in the Rumble tomorrow, and walks back into Gorilla. And I'm like, what the, 10, oh shit, and then out I go. So he literally wow. told me the second I was getting ready to go out to have a match at TakeOver, he went, uh, he told. He decided to spring it on me then. Did, well, no. did that affect your match? Not one bit. He he uh, he did it because, um, you know, as a gag, like he he knows what he's doing, you know. it's sure. and, and looking back, I couldn't help but smile. I'm like, ah, oh, uh, focus, get get your shit together. And then no, it didn't affect my match at all because it's weird when you go through the curtain. It's anything you're feeling, whether it's, you know elation or you're or you're sad or you're beat up or you're sore or you're half broken or you know you're limping when you go through it's like a whole new it's something just turns out. i can't explain it mm-hmm. but everything goes away and you dial in it's really weird it's uh you almost you're looking around but you don't see people huh. it's odd it's very odd but when you get that dialed in man so i was uh, that's how i was when those over, i took those takeovers so those, every one of those was for me that was my main event pay-per-view of whatever was around at the time. That was my SummerSlam, that was my WrestleMania, that was my you know, Survivor Series, whatever it was. I took those first matches of those first uh, t- those takeovers were they were everything to me. So.
1: The the interview that you did backstage after the Royal Rumble, it was so genuine and authentic. Like you you could tell that this was like the culmination of your entire career being able to be out there at the Rumble and it just felt so authentic that you're like I, I don't even have words right now.
0: The um, the most the most important like being out there was great and seeing the people you know and being in the spot that I was in because when I came out it was just pretty much I think Sammy was Sammy and Braun Strowman but but Braun was standing just by himself so I had a spotlight Um, but it was just before uh, I went out probably about 90 seconds to two minutes I went out because everybody's in Gorilla. I'm the next one out and people You know, my peers, people that I admired and respected for a very long time, worked with for a very long time, were genuinely happy for me. Mm. When they started counting down uh, the clock, they they started. All my peers, they they. I think it was just a lot of them knew what I had been through. A lot of them had seen me put in the work, and it was just. that meant more to me that night than anything else. So what you saw in that interview afterwards, that was probably what I was carrying me. That thought at that moment during that, um, that interview was just the admiration from your peers um, or from people that you truly admire is second to none. It mm. goes beyond any fame or stardom or anything like that because whatever you leave behind, whatever legacy you have, that those are the people that are going to carry it for you. You know what I mean. The people that speak about you and how they speak about you speaks volumes to your character. Yeah. So I take my reputation very seriously, and that that uh, that night meant the world to me
1: just based on that alone. Do you think that if you (coughs) never got called up to the main roster, if you just stayed in NXT, that you'd still be an employee of WWE? Um, I don't know because. It's tough to say. Because I feel like
0: your character, You know, we want to talk about credibility, your character in NXT had so much credibility. But I was also ready for something. If I wasn't going to have the opportunity to carry the NXT Championship to see what I was made of, to see if I could carry it or not, or see if I could make a difference in terms of houses, selling tickets and stuff like that. If that responsibility wasn't going to be laid upon me, then I wanted something more, which was the next step up. I wanted to work with the Dolph Zigglers, I wanted to work with the Seth Rollins, the AJ Styles. I want to work with those guys. I want to see if I can hang. Um, So during that time, towards the end of NXT, once I realized that that championship opportunity was going to come my way, I let me up, let's go. But knowing now what I know, I would have been way better off staying in NXT and I asked to go back Uh, but it just wasn't in the cards at that time. Going. It's tough because NXT is a one-hour television show. They have 100 talent down at the yeah. Performance Center. They only have X amount of spots. So real estate down there isn't exactly available. Yeah. So if I was to go back down to NXT, what capacity would it be in? Um, I was asked to be a coach three times during my last probably year and a half in NXT. Um, which I love to teach, love to help, that's why. Flatbacks is opening up. Just Flatbacks Training School, myself yeah. and Tyler Breeze are gonna be opening up uh, one uh, starting uh, July, next month. So, Training at gmail.com. In Orlando? In Orlando, Alapka, uh, Florida, just on the outside a little bit, but that's a cheap little plug. Uh, no, no,
1: please, plug away. Oh, I'll be plugging. Because there's plenty of people uh, that are watching this right now <laughs> that are either thinking of
0: being a wrestler or maybe training somewhere that doesn't give great, great training, so. Credibility, credibility. Uh, Make sure you get trained by someone who's done something, been somewhere, or who, as Tyler Breeze is, currently somewhere. Um, I'm sorry, I got all sidetracked. No, no,
1: I was. That was going to be my next question, anyway. So you know, you you have all this uh, experience, 18 years in the business. You've been asked to be a coach. Are you taking this knowledge you have now? Is that why
0: you want to open up a, your own training school? I did a few seminars post uh, WWE, and um, uh, I just I there's just a lot of small fundamental things that are very important in terms of um, moving forward in somebody's career. Uh, This business is evolving. It's moving quicker. It's getting bigger and it's moving quicker. And if you're not ready to adapt to that or you um, are not in a position to learn properly or be trained properly safely, uh, you might get left behind. You might not even get out of the starting gate. So what myself and uh, Tyler is doing is providing uh, a place to learn properly. Learn what's happening currently. Uh, learn kind of taking what we have accumulated in our time in NXT, OVW, prior to all that, our time on the Indies. We're we'll kind of be able to bring everything to the table and go. Here's what we can offer you. Um, this is the template that we followed. We don't guarantee anything. We don't guarantee that you're going to be in WWE, AEW, anywhere else. Nothing like that. We can guarantee. Two things that we will teach you: how to keep yourself safe and somebody else safe, and we will teach you how to wrestle. That is it. The rest is up to you. Um, I I actually went
1: to wrestling school when I was twenty. I went to um, I went to Wrestleplex Ontario for it was Eric Young's show. Oh, Sh-
0: I didn't know that.
1: Briefly, and then I was at uh, Squared Circle uh, in okay, Toronto yeah, with yeah, uh, Fuego, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that. The interesting thing about this is actually taking that step to go through the door and sign up and actually put the work in to be a wrestler is massive. Mm-hmm. In all the lead up to that though, what can someone do before they take that huge leap to actually attending wrestling
0: school? It's, it's that leap. That is, the, that is the the starting point, man. And it, it was weird. I was on the way over here and I was thinking about some of the questions that you might have asked because we didn't really... Yeah, we're just talking. And... Um, it's, it's it's so weird. you seen the movie A Star is Born? Have you seen that yet? Yeah, of course. Okay, the world well, cried in at the end. Okay, Exactly. Who didn't, right? There is one, th- that movie was phenomenal, and, but there's one part in that movie and there's two, two scenes and they happen at the exact same time in that movie. So before, when he's singing Shallow and before she steps out on stage, mm-hmm. he's singing his verse and Lady Gaga standing there off to the side and she's looking around like that thought going through her mind is I'm scared to death, I'm scared shitless, but if this is going to happen, this is the moment it needs to happen. And then whatever the hell pushes her to do it, her feet start moving, she walks up to the microphone and she starts singing. The second big moment happens when she kicks into the chorus and that look on her face where like as yeah, she's screaming, reaction, yeah. is, it's happening. Yeah, The life is changing right now. Whatever fear you had, you are breaking through. It's the same thing in beginning any venture in life. I can relate it to wrestling. Is like, yeah, you're scared shitless to go through the curtain for the first time. You're worried about what everybody's gonna think. You're worried if you're gonna fall flat on your face. But that's, I would rather fall on my face Mm. and know for sure than never take that step. So go through the curtain. And then there's a really good chance if you're prepared That something beautiful will happen during whatever it is you're going through. If it's a wrestling match and it's clicking and the other guy is on point and you're on point and the story you're telling is hitting on all cylinders, you could feel it happening and everything changes. Do you have like
1: a a phrase or or a mantra in your life that's really helped your life?
0: Oh man, I uh, I follow motivational quotes on Twitter and stuff like that Uh, just because I like to read just what people through history have just… Things that have gotten them through things. Um, I don't really have anything in specific. I wish I had something very clever, very educational to say.
1: No, this this Star is Born
0: story is fantastic. It's just you never want. I just I'm scared to death of regret. I just never want to say, man, I should have. That's that's my biggest thing. If that if you can take anything away from this, if there's anything holding you back, and if it's one if you're worried about what other people think. Especially people you don't know, your chances are you're never gonna know them. So why are you wasting your time worrying anyway? Yeah. Um, and uh, that's the best analogy I can give from that Star is Born is like that's that one movement, moment in that movie that was worth that whole uh, that was that was an incredible moment. I can relate to that the most. I think uh, as we wrap this up, a lot of people are going to be asking about your
1: tattoo. So can you show us and maybe tell yeah. us a little bit about it? Okay. The so this has show, been um, off to the so camera. Yeah. Here. You
0: guys can uh, kind of see no, this. This has great. been um, a while in the making. So this is uh, the most important piece. This is an angel, and this is my uh, grandmother's name. This is Elda. She. Um, my family never had a lot of money. Then we never. We still don't. Um, came from money. So any you know big ventures that i went to japan or you know if i had some bad times in puerto rico or mexico and stuff like that she was always the one to go let me know if you ever need anything and i'm there for you she was always there for me i would have quit a long time ago if she wasn't in my life cuz i wouldn't have been able just to self sustain my you know my habit of being a professional wrestler so that is for her um uh that in the middle there is a 10 that is a roman numeral Yes, Um, because no matter what happens in my career this was one of my favorite times in wrestling and it was the one thing that allowed me to connect to many many people which was huge Uh, this is death uh, holding a clock the clock is 2.38 that was the time I was born and the way I kind of equate this is um, uh, from the second you're born death is following you death is chasing you so at some point or another he catches you So you want to make sure that you live the best life you can, the way you want to, uh, because at some point or another, he's going to catch you. So why not go out on your terms? Um, These are um, Japanese cherry blossoms. There's 11 of them because in 2011 I was in Japan and that's when that big massive earthquake hit. Um, so that was, that's for Japan. And then these are, I can never say it right. Pl- plumeras? Plumerias, plumerias. You know better than me. These are, these, this is a Hawaiian flower. And, um, this is for my Peyton because she, uh, she lo- this is her favorite flower and she loves Hawaii. So that reminds me of her every single day. Wow. So, oh, and then that, um, uh, that's, uh, you ever seen the gray, the movie? Love the so there's a poem in there that is oh, recited throughout live and,
1: die on this day. live
0: and die on this day yes same thing same kind of mantra as the the cold in the clock is you know live your life live the best life you have every single day and you know go out on your own terms we've we've learned a lot in this interview i hope it's good i don't this i just really good. i never uh, i never had a chance to talk about you <laughs> so i never got to explain a lot of things or the yeah. perfect 10 for that matter um uh, but no, this is cool, man. I, I I don't get to do a lot of this stuff, so hopefully going forward I, I will now. I really appreciate it. Tell us something about Peyton that we
1: might not know.
0: Um, oh gosh, because there's going to be a lot of Peyton Royce fans watching. There's a this. ton of Peyton. Gosh, she's the rock star. She's the rock star of the team going forward. She's the talent. She's. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll challenge her on the looks part. <laughs> I'm I'm a damn good looking. She's got a pretty face for a lady's face, man. I'm. <laughs> Ain't I the prettiest thing you ever seen that's Muhammad Ali. Um just I mean you, you when you see her on camera she's so funny. She's so entertaining and uh, spoiler alert when like she was just over at the house last night Jess uh or sorry Billy uh was just over the, that's how they are in r- real life. They're at that they're like how they are on TV, they're like that at the house and it's it drives me nuts. But like, they are so funny together. They're so funny on television, but she has the utmost sweetest soul. She has the oldest soul. Um, funny little tidbit. Our very first date, uh, I'm a little older than her. Uh, our very first date, uh, I told her we're not, you know, we're probably not going to be together long. Like, we can hang out, we can have some fun, but I mean, come on, I'm a little older than you, and, you know, chances of us really working out are, you know, you have a life to live, da da da. And she just went, that's kind of a real shitty thing to say. I was like, Can what? you do
1: a Peyton uh, impression? She kind of... Sh- no, no,
0: the the but the accent too. You know? Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> no, absolutely not. She 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 would uh, she'd butcher me if I even attempted to do it. But I told her we weren't going to kind of work out, and she went, "All right, we'll see." And lo and behold, I was wrong. And she's still proving you wrong. She's still proving me wrong, and it would, and I couldn't be more happy to be wrong. So uh, yeah, she just got a, such an older soul, and she's a sweetheart, and you know, she's my best friend, and that's like. Oof, I wouldn't be able to do any of this right now if it wasn't for her. Wow. Can we throw up a 10 as we as we end things up? That's all I got left. I got nothing. Boom.
1: So there you go. A very insightful and interesting chat with Sean Spears and the very first episode of the Chris Van Vliet Show in the books. Thank you for listening. And if you like this, it would mean so much to me. If you left a review and shared this and let people know that in addition to my YouTube channel, that the Chris Van Vliet show here in podcast form exists. So uh, we talked about his contract status with AEW and just three days after he did this interview, he officially signed that deal with AEW. So a big congrats to Sean for that. Thank you to Green Roads for sponsoring the show. Use the code Chris. 15 for 15% off your CBD order at greenroadsworld.com. Also, a big thanks to Samson for the mics and podcasting equipment that we're using to make this happen. This has been fun. Thank you for listening. We are just getting started, my friends.